crude laboratory in the basement of his home. And welcome to the CEO Raider Podcast at your host, John Mayetta. If you haven't subscribed, please do so at Apple Podcasts. Please write a review. If you haven't, you may want to check out our new tech blog, tech2day, T-E-K, number two, day.com. And obviously, if you listen to the podcast, you're aware of our crowdsourced CEO and company review platform, CEO Raider. You know, one of the use cases I talked about with CEO Raider, and I, I haven't seen any of what I'm about to describe, but with all the nonsense that happened earlier in the year, if you remember, a number of the venture capital firms had uh, instances where partners were taking advantage of women who are uh, entrepreneurs in the portfolio companies or, or prospective entrepreneurs. And then, of course, all this stuff that, that's happening today in Hollywood. Today's Wall Street Journal cover page, Matt Lauer gets fired. I'm telling you, all this stuff is bleeding over into the business press. So I would love to see people, if you want to go public... I think that's the best solution to disclose sexual misconduct. But if you don't want to go public, but you want it out there that somebody's been abusive, use our platform. Everything's anonymous. Right? This, this disclose the situation there if you don't want to make your identity known. And it just begs the question, with all the TV personalities within the media that have supposedly been or allegedly have been guilty of this type of behavior. What does it say about the CEOs in the in the media space? I mean, we put out a an analysis a few weeks ago, and a even a more detailed analysis. I think it was back in May about uh, compensation, CEO compensation across industries, and far and away. Uh, the media industry pays their CEOs the highest percentage of compensation compared to market capitalization. And I think one of the, I I tweeted a photo or posted a photo on LinkedIn that showed Les Moonves and Safra Katz. Les Moonves is the CEO at CBS and Safra Katz is the co-CEO at Oracle. And you know, Safra's comp, and it's not a gender thing, it's more of an industry thing because uh, Safra's other co-CEO gets paid the same dollar amount and happens to be male, a male, Mark Hurd. But their compensation as a percentage of market cap, I want to say off of memory, 0.3% comp to market cap ratio, 0.3%. And in the case of Les Moonves, I want to say it was 1% or 2 maybe even 3%. And it was more or less the same absolute dollar number. The three CEOs are paid less, Safra and, and Mark Hurd. It's just that CBS is a fraction of the size of Oracle. And that was consistently true in our analysis, that media as an industry, particularly old media, I'm thinking you know, television content, uh, feature film content, those executives get paid, it, it just seems an outlandish amount, vis-a-vis the size of their companies. And the reason is because uh, most comp packages, if you read through the SEC filings, they're largely a function of revenue. So they measure size by revenue and profitability. 
And then the other factor they incorporate into the compensation models is stock performance. But from a size standpoint, it's, you know, how, how big is your company from a sales standpoint? And then how does that relate to the peer group? And that's sort of how the peer group is defined by industry and by size. And I'd love to see companies start to look at market cap, whether it's an average market cap over a trailing 12-month period or an average market cap over a trailing 36-month period. But, but, but that matters, obviously. You know, valuations in certain industries are much higher than in others. And that ought to be incorporated into, into the comp models. I'd, I'd like to see that. Bitcoin. I wanted to touch on Bitcoin. And I don't want this to become a Bitcoin po- podcast, nor will it. And we don't dole out financial advice. But I'll give, I'll give broad advice. With Bitcoin, it's difficult to discern what the fundamentals are that are driving the, the spike in valuation. Other than it's just a bunch of retail investors who have interest and who are buying Bitcoins been driving up the valuation given that there's a limited supply. So I can't put my finger on it. It's difficult to analyze versus a company in an industry that's growing and, and, so, uh, and so forth where you, you can't analyze the fundamentals. On this one, evaluation seems to be driven by emotion. I've talked about this with family members. And if, 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 if I can't put my finger, if I can't hang my hat on something that's tangible, I just stay away. Because oftentimes what happens when you see what appears to be a bubble, what happens is there's a breaking point, the bubble bursts, and then you can't give the asset away. And then, you know, after a period of time, typically a prolonged period of time, a couple of years, several years, a few years, if there's any fundamental truth to that asset, it will rebound and the valuation curve may not be as steep as it was during the, the bubble period, but it'll be prolonged and it will go on for years and years. I've seen that with many stocks. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on was, was Google because I was playing around on Cyber Monday. Not so much to buy stuff because my wife does a great job of handling all that stuff, the Christmas shopping. But you know, with Amazon, you can use the app on your phone. Alexa's embedded into it. And you can say, even with non-Amazon products, hey, Amazon, uh, I'd like to buy Google Home. And all the Google Home products will appear in, in the return, as will the Amazon Echo products, which are the in-home devices. And if I wanted to buy them, it's just you know sort of a one-click because Amazon, it's this, all these products, by the way, are returned in the Amazon store. So not quite straight-through processing. So voice search is a catalyst at the beginning, and then a bunch of results you know the query output would have required either a tap or perhaps a voice command to execute the transaction so not quite perfect straight through processing but awfully close and that's that's the amazon experience using their app on my iphone and the app has alexa embedded in it you do a similar search query with google google app on the iphone google i'd like to buy google home and so a bunch of products are returned, all of which I think were Google Home products. I forget how many products are in the family, maybe four. No Amazon products, which made sense because I didn't ask to show me the Amazon Echo. But in the return, I want to say there were eight, ten, maybe as much as a dozen different product SKUs. Well, maybe there are three or four different product SKUs as far as the, the different in-home products uh, that, that Google uh, offers for sale. But each product was displayed 
two or three times from two or three different vendors. So I had, you know, 10 or 12 choices from which to, to buy the product, none of which are integrated. So in order to buy it, it's, you know, multiple taps. It's hardly straight through processing. And we've talked about this before. This is going to be, this is, not that it's going to be, it's an issue for Google because we're we're at a point where the quality of the search between Google and Amazon is basically on par. And I'm talking about the search for, for product. When you log on to your laptop or you open your phone and you're looking to purchase or at a minimum research a product, so a product search, the quality of the search is basically identical. But to execute the transaction, it's it's hardly identical. And Amazon has a, a huge advantage because their website, it'd be nice to see you know actual data. But chances are, if you're looking to buy X product, that Amazon has X. And Amazon has the payment gateway. You know, all that stuff is, is part of the, the, the purchase experience that's all taken care of on Amazon's platform. So it's just literally click. So if there's one thing I would like to see as a consumer, I would have liked both Alexa and Google to talk back to me and say, uh, hi, John, here are some options that may satisfy your search and literally tick them off. So if I were in the car, as an example, it could be entirely a voice experience. Hi, John. So, you know, Google Home costs X. Google Mini costs Y. It's available here. Which one would you like to buy? And just have a you know, an exchange with two or three voice commands from either side, my, myself and the AI, and the transaction's executed. And theoretically, you could, we're pretty close to being able to, to, to do that on Alexa. And, and Google's just got to knit together the whole back end in order to provide that straight through or awfully close to straight through processing experience. I think the, you know, there are two pieces. One is tightly integrating with some of these retailers or building your own. I don't know if Google wants to get into that business, but they could. They could build their own retail experience like Amazon has. They'd be doing it from behind, but they could go out and start building million dollar, or rather uh, million square foot distribution centers and drones and the whole nine yards and start to build a, a fully integrated retail experience or tighten their partnerships with third party retailers and really tighten them such that you can provide a, a straight through processing experience. I think the, the back end piece, whether it's a Google wallet or whether it's a uh, whether they were to go out Google were to go out and acquire a company like Stripe and embed the payment technology in the experience, I think that part's a lot easier because you can you can go out and execute an MA transaction or multiple transactions in the payment space. Or really push on the Google wallet. I think that part's easier because it's largely you just acquiring or investing in the assets uh, and it's really up to you to drive that execution on the the partner side i think that's a little more difficult just because it's so fragmented it's not just a question of knitting together one or two payment gateway payment enabling technologies it's more about we need broad coverage across a majority of the retailers or at least across the retailers who provide coverage of uh, a majority of the products in a particular SKU line, the way Amazon does. This is going to be a real challenge for Google, and it's going to be a real problem because to the extent now people are looking for products, many people already are already default to Amazon, but that, that's going to be even more true in the future. And it's going to further improve the quality of Amazon search and further improve 
to the extent that these are uh, voice queries. It's going to further benefit Alexa's algorithms the more inputs it has. So I would expect Alexa to have an edge over Google. Google, by the way, hasn't named its AI. It's just, it's just Google. I would expect Alexa to have an edge over Google's AI in the near to intermediate term, given that the quality of the, the product purchase experience is far superior. You know, if people can buy something with one or two voice commands as opposed to half a dozen or a dozen, you know, the choice is obvious. So those are my thoughts on the subject. Tomorrow I'm going to be listening to there's a, uh, an investor day with General Motors. They're going to talk about autonomous technology. So we'll see what comes out of that. And if it's podcast worthy, we'll, we'll have something on, on that later in the week. See you all next time.